Welcome, welcome, and thank you for swimming to church today. And uh, we are jumping in, as Jaden just said there, to this series called Who Else? And maybe you've found yourself asking that in the past uh, few weeks or so. I know I have in a few contexts. Like, who else should we invite? Who else can we give honor to at this event? Or, or who else is not on the list if you're building an event list or whatever, you, you find yourself asking that, like, who else? And, and that's the focus. We want to figure out how did Jesus welcome everyone? And how can we take on that call within our life to be welcoming, to think, man, how do I increase my everyone meter, if you would, to where we can consider who else belongs in this chair. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this. He died for everyone, speaking of Jesus, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. That's what we celebrated, not only last week, we celebrate all year around, Jesus loved us so much that he followed in obedience all the way to the cross. In his death, he raised again three days later. He's the risen Christ. God initiates relationship with us. He sends his son to us, and he fulfills all of the impossible prophecies from generations and fulfills this amazing thing called love in his resurrection. And this passage sums that up. Why did he do this? For everyone. He did this for everyone, or as it says in the end of that verse, for them. For them. I think of, what now, 2009, so like nine years ago, when we had this crazy idea to start a church in Bonnie Lake. And my office still is at Starbucks. And uh, a few remodels ago, these noisy chairs, isn't that the best when you're at a Starbucks and these chairs are still there? But these chairs were tossed out. Uh, but I used to sit in these and I would get what's called Starbucks butt. Um, these hurt if you sit in them for many hours. But I would be there dreaming of what would a church look like that would be for everyone in this community. And we would research the statistics and, and see that, oh my goodness, like 88% of this community does, does not go to church. They do not have the opportunity to hear an adequate presentation of the love of God and, and, and how much Jesus cared for them on a weekly basis. They don't get that encouragement, that life. And how could we not just share that on the weekend, but take that out during the course of the week into the community, be present right in the center of culture. And so we began to dream dreams and began to imagine the, the them or the everyone in our mind at the time. And a lot of that dreaming was done in a chair like this. So when they tossed these out, I grabbed one to keep around the house, annoyingly, just getting full on in the way, right, hon? Uh, because it doesn't match anything. It doesn't belong. 
But boy, a lot of you were first seen sitting in this chair. Like, in my vision, my mind's eye. Like, I prayed for you, not knowing you yet. And that became a we prayed, and then a bunch of people prayed, and then this community began to be impacted by you. And it all begins with a cup of coffee, because that's the way God is, right? Cup of coffee, it's just how it happens. For everyone. Because I wanted you to walk through these doors and know you belong. How can we build a church that's for, for everyone? I mean, you have to have been invited somewhere and realized you weren't welcome. Has that, has that happened only to me? Am I the only guy that's walked into a space and realized, oh, oh, I do not belong. But it's like, if you've ever been invited and realized you are not welcome, you can see it the moment you walk in the room. You can feel it by people's demeanor, like, Maybe you even hear a couple people go, who invited them? Right? Maybe you're going, man, that'd be brutal. That's never happened to me. Congratulations. Um, you know, maybe you're accidentally tagged in a photo. Has that ever happened? You're like, not only was I not tagged, I wasn't invited to that thing. And you get a little upset and you're, you're like worried. You're just trying to figure this out. And, oh. Maybe you realize that when you are invited via whatever messaging source that they accidentally invited you, and uh, it's awkward when you walk into that room, and I hope nobody ever experiences that. I've felt awkward when I've showed up to places. I think, you know, even unintentionally, I did a wedding in Enumclaw a while back, and I pulled up to the rehearsal. Now, obviously, I'm the pastor doing the wedding, so I am... I'm invited. <laughs> Without me, there's a problem with the wedding. But I, I show up to the rehearsal, and when I pull into the parking lot, I mean to tell you, there is, I drive a Prius in, and live in Buckley. So it's kind of a punchline of some sort to a, or a lead-in to a good joke. But I pull into this parking lot, and I am the only car. And when I park in, in this space that was left, my car was not as tall as the bottom side of most of the pickups in this. They have, they're like jacked up, and they have these huge tires, and I'm just thinking, somebody's going to park on my car, I think, at this. I get out, and it's not that I wasn't welcome. I was totally welcome. I had a relationship with the bride and groom, and, and I walk in, and I knew the people that, uh, that pastor the church. And, but you look in the parking lot, and I obviously didn't fit in. I wasn't wearing Carhartt pants when I walked in or boots or any of that. So I, I just, you know, it was one of those moments where unintentionally I felt a little out of place. What could we do to be the people that take away that awkwardness in a room? What could we do to be a church that removes that awkwardness? What could we do in our neighborhood to remove that awkwardness and actually be a people that make others feel welcome, not just invited? That's what we're going to unpack here during the course of this series. And today, in fact, our big idea today is God is for everyone. Now, if you've been tracking our talks, then you know we started this year with a series about how God is for you. 
And we unpacked some single talks about God is for you, God is for us, God is for everyone. And now we've been doing series, God is for you series, God is for us series, and now God is for everyone. We're going to be looking at this for a few weeks. God is for you loving everyone, it says in Scripture, or a lot of places in Scripture, all people. God's for all people. No conditions, no preconceived notions or prejudices, all people. And by pausing when we're making an invite, maybe if we just give ourselves a few more seconds, we'll be more inviting. We'll be more welcoming or hospitable, whatever word you want to put on that, when we ask who else should be invited and how can we make them not only feel invited but welcome, how can we make every room we're in be more welcoming? Something, it's something that we challenged our first youth ministry 21 years ago. We became youth pastors in Spokane, And I remember as the youth ministry grew from 20 to 100, and it just kept growing, and we would have these outreaches, it became accused, as every youth ministry, if you've ever grown up in one, cliquish, right? You would hear the word, oh, you guys are just a bunch, it's just a big click, and, and, you know, you're just going to favor those people. And so that happens. People, because they have memories together and they have relationship together, it's easy to be comfortable with those people. And so to break down the feeling of click, we would constantly challenge students when they would say, hey, can we come over? Because we always had an open-door policy, still do. And we would say, sure. Who are you bringing with you? Who else are you inviting? Who can come with you that hasn't come before? And it made students think. And actually what it made students do is is invite people that they absolutely would not usually invite. And they actually discovered they liked each other. And they had things in common or totally uncommon, but they had the youth ministry in common. And these friendships and this, you would walk into the room. Or we would go places on, on worship tours or, or to fine arts festivals and these national events. And they were so friendly but not alike. And it would confuse people. They'd be like, those cultures don't usually talk together, right? They're not in the normal groups. Like, how does that guy befriend that guy? And, and it was this really interesting Dichotomy that people took notice of and made for an incredibly welcoming environment. What could we do to be that? Like, what are the steps we can take to be more welcoming? And what did Jesus teach us? How can we include everyone? First, I think we need to define who is everyone. I mean, very clearly through God's lens, You said all people, God. You said everyone. Who's the them, right? Well, first, if you're filling in the underline, your neighbor. Your neighbor. Mark 12, 28 through 31 says it this way. One of the teachers of religious law, he asked all of the commandments, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 
And in verse 29, Jesus replies, he says, The most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then listen to verse 31 here. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Wow. I mean, we think here at Open Life that when Jesus says neighbor, he's not only speaking figuratively, he literally means your neighbor. Like next door, right? Your neighbor is that one who owns or rents property that touches your property that you can see when you're getting ready if your blinds aren't down or closed right it's your it's your neighbor is the one who is you can see if you're living in an apartment i don't know why they call them that because they're not apart but anyway if you're going in or up the stairs you say hi but don't know each other's name that's your neighbor And of all the people in the world, those would be the easiest people to know. Isn't that just so weird? Uh, But that's just, right? Or for us, it's that home across the street, miss miss this family, but that home across the street that leaves their Christmas tree up until June. So that randomly when the blinds are still open at night and the lights are on on their Christmas tree, you can shout out, Merry Christmas in springtime. I miss those neighbors. That was awesome. You know, it's that, um, <laughs> it's, it's the dog walker that if you're mowing in the front lawn in the afternoon, they are probably too many beers in and stop and have a really vulgar conversation with you. That, that, that happens, right? I'm not the only, okay, anyway. Uh, the neighbor who wears nothing but a loose robe and hangs out on their front porch in your neighborhood. I love my neighbors. If you're here, welcome today. Um, right? Students, your, your neighbor could be the person at not only at your table at school, but at the table next to the table you sit at at school at lunch, or the classroom that comes in before or after you is, is your neighbor, or, I mean, we need to think, like, who is our neighbor literally in our life? It extends to work. Like, who's in the cubicle next to you? Who's in the office next to you? Who comes in and, and uses the same equipment before you or after you? How are you neighborly to them? Or at me, you know, when you're sitting at Starbucks. Who's, who's that guy looking for a power outlet because they use a PC instead of a Mac? You know, so you just watch them. They're outlet hunting. <laughs> kind of looking. You wonder at first when you, this is, this is a Starbucks world. It's really awkward at first when you see people looking under your table. You're just like, uh, excuse me, what are you, what? are you doing? You know? And they're like, is there power? Is there power there? (laughs) Oh, oh. And then it becomes unawkward. But there's some things you got to learn at Starbucks. At Starbucks, it's the person at the table next to you or across the room from you. Like that's literally in my neighborhood. It's my neighbor. 
It's those who I commute up and down the hill with. It's the people who live and shop in the community. They're our neighbors. But when God wants you to begin in your blast zone, it's literally those that are touching your property. Like that's your actual neighbor. You're not where you landed by mistake. You live actually intentionally where you're at is a gift from God, even though you might be going, what? Right? Seriously? No. Yeah. Like you live. God's got a purpose for you right where you're at, even if you want to get out of there. There's intentionality. And can you find yourself, as it says in this passage, in 2 Corinthians 5, living for Christ instead of yourself right there with your neighbors? Not always easy. Not always easy. And you might think, man, it's a personality thing that I just am an introvert instead of an extrovert. I get it. You're pretty, whew, you know, you're, you're, you're a little bolder, maybe. And I say, you know, I was listening to a podcast just a couple weeks ago that challenged me on the personality thing. And you know what it challenged me? It said, personality is just an excuse for those who've not done the work of building character. And I was like, gut punch, right? Because oftentimes, I'll say things and use my personality as an excuse because I said something too aggressively or quickly in a room that I shouldn't have. And yet, character will prevent us from doing things like that. And I was like, ouch. Character will also help us realize I know the character of God. I know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, if I choose to follow Jesus and he is living in me, that same power that raised Christ from the grave is at work within me. Therefore, that power can allow me at Starbucks to get out of my chair, walk across the room and say, hey, I wanted to introduce myself. What? That's too aggressive. You just got that personality. Do I? Or was it the Holy Spirit that got me out of the chair? That's the question we need to wrestle with. Because God wants us to reach them. Everyone. And he not, doesn't want us to reach them so that we can just grow the size of our church. He wants us to reach people so they experience his love. So they can be served unconditionally, genuinely, by someone with no ulterior motive. That'll help them experience God. So lock eyes on someone, walk across the room, and say hello. So their life is no longer invisible. God can give you the confidence to do that. If you struggle to love your neighbors... We did three series in the beginning of 2016 to help you with that. And if you click over to the Next Steps page that we talk about, openlife.church slash next steps, or if you're on the app, click the Next Steps button. The first thing or second thing there is a link to the three series. You can go to our message archive, and it'll link you to those. Listen to them. Won't you be my neighbor? 
homework and the art of neighboring will encourage you like really God's intentionality of what he wants you to do in your right where you live. He wants you to be able to pray for your neighbor by name and need. Like if we sum the whole three series up. But don't just work your neighbors into your like love zone. Like maybe I'll have room for them later. Start with your neighbors. Start with them. They're there for a reason, and so are you. Now, I understand. When we first started Open Life, again, back in the chair, and we dreamed of Open Life, and we started services at the movie theater at Regal, Dana's dad would join us at service. And uh, he, church wasn't a normal thing very often for them. And so it was kind of cool to see him coming through the door. But then we, we preached this one Sunday on neighbors, and that's the Sunday that they stopped coming. He said to me after the service, okay, this whole love your neighbor thing, my neighbor is a, you could fill in the blank there with whatever word he might have said about his neighbor, and if that, like, I just, that's, I just can't cross that line, because my neighbor is, and there were some names and stuff, and I was just like, if that's you, again, Allow God to start work, <laughs> working on your heart towards your neighbor because I believe he's got something special for you. I honestly believe there's something beautiful in loving your neighbor. Or maybe this next point applies. Who is everyone? Your enemies. Uh, thought too, your enemy. Uh, again, 2 Corinthians 5, let's read it. It's, again, it says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Listen to this quote from Bob Goff, the book we give away, the author of the book we give away back there. He says, The way we love the people we don't agree with is the best evidence that the tomb is really empty. So Christ is living. He died for us. He rose again. And the best way we can share that news with other people is by how we love them. That's the best way. It's taught about in various places in Scripture. Matthew 5, 43 says it this way. You've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, this is Jesus speaking, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain. <laughs> Example outside, he sends rain and more rain and more rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt Tax collectors, anybody doing their taxes right now, even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow. Tough to swallow that, right? Everyone even means your enemies. Those who persecute you, the evil, the corrupt, the toughest. 
but the most fulfilling one you love. And they're the most vivid example of love because those around you are watching how you love them. I mean, people who've been watching you, if you've made it known, or if you've crossed that line of faith and said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to invite you into my life and I'm going to start to live for you, and you begin to live for Jesus in community, and people begin to know that you claim that, then they're going to watch you, right? You are living in a glass house. And they're not only going to watch you when everything's going awesome, they're going to watch you when things don't go right. When somebody passes you up in a promotion, when you don't get the good grade, when you wreck your car, or almost wreck your car. Pray for the Huff House, dear, dear Jesus. Got the permits yesterday. That wasn't in my talk, but see, I worked it in. Uh, anyway, so don't like not being in control. Um, just a stretchy arm. I need a stretchy arm, and it would help for the steering and speed. Uh, wow, I just lost everything right there. It was all gone. I just had this flash of my almost death moment yesterday. We receive prayer requests, speaking of praying for us, every week. And this week we received a beautiful one. I'll just read a snippet and keep the person anonymous. But there's beauty in the sad content here. This is, the, this is what they requested prayer for. School people. Says, school people are not being nice to me, calling me mean names. And I would want to say something back, but if I do... I know I would not mean it, and it would not be Christian-like to say something back that is rude and that I'm going to regret later. There's lessons there, right, for us, all of us? It's not a prayer request for pity. It's not a feel sorry for me prayer request. It's a, it's a prayer for school people. I think it's great that we all pray for our schools. We make an effort, an extra effort, to lift our students up in prayer because it's a tough world <laughs> in these schools out here. But yet we're sending students into the most ripe mission field of people who need love and confidence and hope and peace of anywhere on our planet and safety, right? And our prayers matter to them. But this is what Jesus was challenging us to do. Like the literal enemies of this student, calling them names, picking on them in any way, shape, or form that they are. But what does this student do? Puts a prayer request in for them. Pray for your enemies. Way to go, right? Way to go. And why retaliate? It wouldn't be Christ-like. That's so good. I'm so glad that teenagers are this knowledgeable. And I just go, way to go, John, leading them and challenging them. But I just look at what can we do in our world to be just as bold, to pray for those who are not treating us as we would want to be treated, to do good to them, to show love to them, because they're in the everyone. We can't exclude them. Thought three, 
Who's the everyone? People you think are crazy. I'm serious, right? Those people you think are crazy, the ones you worry about, they're in the everyone. We all know some crazy people. The neighbor who you think is crazy, we already talked about them. Uh, multiple. But the, the coworker that's just crazy, right? Everybody's got a coworker that's crazy, especially at Open Life. Okay, anyway, uh, no. Uh, no. It's everybody. We've all, the one relative that's crazy. Don't we all have a relative that's crazy? The does or doesn't show up at holidays, and you're just like, okay, here it goes. It's going to get a little weird, guys. You know, kids, close your ears. The person on the commuter train that's crazy, that driver that's crazy on your commute, students, that one teacher that is crazyville, right? And how about that one person in your small group? In fact, you all should sign up for a small group because once you enter the room, there's more crazies, right? Isn't that how it works? It's like, because the funny thing is, I, I just think this is hilarious, that family or person that you think is crazy, that you're picturing in your mind, when they picture you in their mind, they think you're crazy. Isn't that how it works? It's like, because you might live differently. You might have different values. You might have been raised up differently. And, and so what you do that's crazy, like buy a big, tall pickup with tires that are as big as a Prius, you know. When I pulled into that wedding, I thought, that's crazy. But then they look at a little Prius that, like, has a battery, <laughs> you know. And its horn sounds like a dying bird. You're just like, why would you buy a little Prius like that? You know, they think I'm crazy. We, think, we all think each other is crazy, but the reality is, as crazy as we think people are, God's still challenging us to love them, to serve them unconditionally, and not just invite them because we have to, but invite them and make them feel welcome. That's our challenge. Don't take my word for it. Like, listen to God's challenge about loving all the people. Look at his disciples. So Jesus had these guys that followed close to him, and they were called his disciples, and they would do miracles, and they would do all kinds of crazy stuff together. And then they would, once they were impacted by Jesus' love, they would follow him. I mean, in that group, there's like some crazy fishermen. There's the corrupt tax collectors that Jesus referred to a few moments ago. There are people like... There's a guy, he rose from the dead, <laughs> Lazarus, that you know that's a little different, right? It wasn't, that guy following Jesus, wasn't he the one that was dead? You know, you had a dude that was chained up in a graveyard naked that he cast demons out of. Okay, that's a step up from the robe next door. Um, uh, that's just a little worse. Uh, you, you just had all these people that weren't, Christian-like, right? They were definitely crazy, but Jesus touched their lives. So they followed him, and then they reached out to others. And Jesus loved them. And I, I know I've shared to you my favorite movie a few times and um, that just moved me powerfully, The Greatest Showman. I think it's an incredible movie and an incredible story to tell. Little P.T. Barnum, when he was 
Young and the story about his upbringing and, and you know, kind of actual but fictional at the same time. It's traumatized. It's Hollywood. But there's this beautiful moment in this theme throughout it because people who were just a little different from other people showed some pretty genuine moments and character in the course of this movie. When P.T. Barnum was homeless and he was a young boy trying to steal food, he gets caught, and who's the one who gives him an apple to eat? But somebody who everybody else was looking at and judging and saying was a little different. It's moving. Like, I think that's when I started to cry in the movie, maybe, and then I didn't stop. I was just moved. I don't know why. So badly in this movie, other people are like, why did you cry? I don't know, because I'm so different, you know. Uh, but by the end of the movie, that's what the whole theme is, spoiler alert, that the reality is P.T. Barnum makes this circus come out of helping people understand their beauty in their difference. And maybe some call you crazy or you think others are crazy, but you got to look in their eyes and find the beautiful. Because everybody... Every human is beautiful in some way, and it's our challenge with the Holy Spirit within us to find that beauty and to love people unconditionally. That's our challenge. First, or 2 Corinthians 5.13 says it this way. If it seems we are crazy, right? It's in the Bible. If, we, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Let's not judge people by the appearance of their skin. Let's not judge people by where they live or where they've come from or where they're going. Every person is created in the likeness and image of God, the Bible says. If you're human, you're everyone. Everyone. Final thought is who else? There's a blank there with no word to fill it in. Because it's for you. Who else? Your answer can't be nobody. In that line. Who else? Who comes to your mind when you, when you start to consider, oh man, that neighbor. Oh, dude. Oh yeah, I get it. That crazy person. <laughs> That's my who else, right? Only the Holy Spirit could help us through, maybe some of you, the pain to pray for your enemy. There and everyone. Only the power of God could help you love some of the crazy like me. So how do you need to expand your view of others? Who is your who else? Write their name in that space. And instead of an action point this week, there's a challenge. We want to wrap it up with. Look them in the eyes this week. Whoever your who else is. As you have opportunity, look them in the eyes this week. Why do I say that? Let me read a Bible story here to close this out. Acts 3. So Jesus is ascended. He went into heaven. He empowered his 
disciples. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And Peter and John, in verse 1, are on their way to the temple in the afternoon. They're going there for a prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money, like he had done since he was young, right? He asked them for some money. And in verse 4 it says, Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, Look at us. Bam! They connect eyes. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I do not have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazareth. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand, helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized that this was the beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. What? What impact could come from you just looking at the eyes of someone that feels invisible. What? Just Google it. Look at the science. I did this this week, and I didn't want to geek out too bad, so I'm sparing you. But Google the science of eye contact. It's unbelievable what it does to put value and worth and chemical interaction happens inside our life if we just make eye contact. Single guys, gals, it says if you really want to like help somebody notice you, eye contact and movement at the same time. Now that you could end up being in the crazy people category depending on what that movement looks like, but I'm just saying, right? It's like That would be the crazy category. So be careful. For Dana, I was just like. And then, you know, four kids later. um, Power of eye contact. I'm just kidding. (laughs) There are some people in this community that probably feel they have no one. You probably pass by people every week that feel like they're unnoticed, unincluded, invited, not welcome. Who else could we love in this community that we've yet to touch the lives of? Who could we dream of? Who's not sitting in a chair? who hasn't had the opportunity to experience the love because God put us on this planet to make a difference in the lives of humans, everyone, because everybody's beautiful in their own way and he's going to give us the ability to see that. And we just need to have the courage to get up out of our chair, look someone in the eyes, just start a conversation to serve them in some way. How might we change someone's life on this planet that's about to give up 
How might we change the life of a student if we'll pick up their prayer request and pray for their school? How might we impact the lives of those around us? I just want you to ask yourself a bunch of questions and be bothered all week because how about we be that people? Let's be that place. Let's serve that way. Let's be for everyone. God, thank you for putting us on this planet right now at this time. Thank you for allowing us to live where we live, in the neighborhood we live in, for a reason. Next to the neighbors we have, intentionally, you, you knew. It's been preordained that we would have an opportunity to, to love those that are in our world. Thank you for the opportunity we have to pray and do good and love on the enemies in our life. Thank you, God, that you have put crazy people in our world and that we could be the crazy people in others' worlds. That we may be challenged to love one another. And thank you for giving us your son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins and weaknesses and lack of strength and personalities so that we could then take up the character and strength of the Holy Spirit by putting our faith in you, Jesus, so that then we could, outside of our own power, love everyone around us. God, I pray for everybody in this room to be able to meet and have a relationship that's growing with Jesus, that we could challenge one another to love even greater, to think, who else? Because now we know who everyone is in your perspective. It's all people. God, give us a burning desire to love each other and to love those who've yet to experience your love in this community where we work in our schools. We thank you for opening up a challenge like this to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.